This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Bravo. And so here's the title of our installment today. And so our series is titled The Freeing Truth About. And today we're going to speak about the freeing truth about working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now you know that there's a portion of scripture and that term, that phrase, fear and trembling, is used several times specifically by the Apostle Paul. But we know this portion of scripture <clears throat> that talks about this. And so traditionally this portion of scripture is used to convey that a believer can lose their salvation and if they don't work at it. So they need to work it in order to make sure they keep it is what is taught and that's the general thought that is brought across. And so when this portion of scripture is read, you know, there's many a sermon and, you know, before I understood gospel truth and before I got a revelation of the wonderful gospel of the grace of God, which is what Paul preached and he called it, um, I used to pretty much just share what I used to hear. And basically, <laughs> my thought, I remember saying nice little cliches and cute little things that would, you know, make the punch and bring the impact, not realizing how I was mixing law with grace and how I was bringing a misunderstanding of the gospel. You know, you would hear things like, for example, God's word works for those who work God's word. Now, it sounds wonderful. But in essence, what are we saying when we say things like that? Well, God's Word's not going to work for you if you don't work it. So where is the grace in that? Where is the mercy in that? Where is the finished work of the cross in that? Because if I, if I need to perform it and then it will work for me, why do I need the cross? <laughs> why do I need redemption in Jesus? Why do I need grace if I can earn and deserve it? Right? And so many times <clears throat> I would say, and many a preacher say things like that, not realizing <clears throat> that we are mixing law with grace and, in actual fact, teaching erroneous doctrine. Now, by no means do I think that we've arrived or do I think that I know it all, but I'd like to think that we've taken off. I'd like to think that we've left. We're not still stuck at the airport. And so, <clears throat> praise God. So, allow me to share with you today about this truth. And like I say, it's one of the most misunderstood and sadly, it is also one of the most abused portion of scriptures because it is, like I said, what the thought that is conveyed through that is, is that you're a believer, but you can lose your salvation if you don't work at it. So you need to work it to keep it. Now, those of you who understand grace, you know already that that sounds way off base. But let's have a look at it and let's see and let me show you what the Apostle Paul actually meant when he said that. Because Paul the Apostle himself, in Acts 20.24, 20, it's not on the screen, but in Acts 20.24, 20, he himself said that he preached the gospel of the grace of God. He was a grace preacher. He preached grace as the new covenant. And if you look at scripture, that's what he taught. That was his mission. That's what God had given him to do. When you have time, go look at Acts 20:24, 20, and you'll see. It's very clear. And so here's the apostle who got the revelation of the new covenant. 
got the revelation of the grace of God, and now for him to come and say, you need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, thinking that he's saying you need to work it in order to work for it to work for you, you know, it just doesn't make sense. But let's have a look at it. Let's explore it. Let's see and let's get the gospel truth. Let's get the freeing truth about it. Amen. All right. So Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, reading from the King James translation. This is written to believers. Okay. And he says, Wherefore, my beloved. So now you know he's talking to believers. As you have always obeyed. He's talking about not obeying the Ten Commandments and the law, but he's talking about obeying doctrine, obeying what was shared in the New Covenant when he shared it with them. So they were obedient in believing. That's what this is talking about. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, in other words, you didn't just believe what I shared with you when I was with you, but now much more in my absence. In other words, you need to keep believing even though I'm not there with you to teach you and continue showing you anymore. Keep believing it. And with that thought in mind, he says, <clears throat> work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So now, like I said, right off the top, without looking at context, without studying the words, without letting the Bible interpret the Bible, without looking at everything through the finished work of the cross, and without, uh, you know, reading it in context, it sounds like what he's saying is, is that I've taught you while I was with you. You need to keep believing it now that I'm not with you. And the way you're going to keep your salvation is by working at it with fear and trembling. Off the top, that's what it sounds like. This is what this, uh, you know, what it's saying. It's hard to imagine that the apostle who preached the gospel of the grace of God, according to Acts 20, 24, as I've said, that he is now instilling uncertainty in believers. I mean, it just makes no sense. It contradicts everything else that he's taught, and it contradicts the gospel truth, quite honestly. Because if that's how we're going to interpret what he said there, then it's not congruent with the rest of the new covenant and the wonderful grace of God. And so, <clears throat> in order for us to understand this clearly, what we're going to do is we're going to look at three words that are used in that portion. Remember he said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So we need to understand what he meant when he said, work out. We need to look at what fear means and what trembling means and why he put those terms together and what was the thought that he was really trying to convey as he was sharing this, as he was writing this, inspired by the Holy Spirit. All right? And so let's do that. So we're going to use the HELPS Word Studies lexicon. And I've already spent some time in a previous teaching explaining to you just how credible the source is and how it pulls from all other credible sources and gives us real good definitions. So, let's have a look firstly at work out, the term work out, from the HELPS lexicon. Watch this. <clears throat> now, let me just tell you, it's one word in the Greek. So, it's a compound of two words, two words put together. And so, here you see it on the screen. 
even though in English it says workout, it's actually the Greek word katergazomai, or something like that. And it's a compound of two words. It comes from the word kata, which means down exactly according to. And then it intensifies the second part of the word, which is ergozomai. That's where it comes from. And that word means work, accomplish, literally. Work down to the end point. That is, watch what it says, to an exact definite conclusion. In other words, this isn't necessarily talking about doing things for yourself to reach that point. What it's talking about is doing all you can to reach that conclusion for yourself. Leave it on the screen, you'll see. So it's talking about reaching that end point for yourself. Then in the next part it says, watch this, note the prefix kata, which really is saying, bring to decisive finality and conclusion. Now I know someone could argue and say, see it's talking about working, accomplishing. In other words, you've got to do it. But that's not what it's saying. I'm about to show you that. What it's actually saying is, you've got to make sure. So yes, you need to work, but it's not working to earn or deserve, but rather working to make sure you reach that point of finality, that point of conclusion, that point of decisive finality that has already been established. So you've got to make sure you reach. In other words, you've got to reach the point where you believe what God says. That's what it's talking about. All right. So that's workout. That's the first word. Now let's look at the word fear <clears throat> from the original. Again, from the helps word studies. So it's the word phobos. That's where we get our words phobia from, for example. So that already explains to you what that means. And so let's read that definition. From phobomai, which means to flee, withdraw, meant withdrawal. Now watch this. Fleeing because feeling inadequate, without sufficient resources. Fundamentally, phobos means withdraw, separate from. That is, flee, remove oneself, and hence to avoid because of dread. So, what the word fear actually means is not to be scared. It doesn't mean to um, you know, be terrified, what it actually means is that when a person pulls themselves away from something, withdraws from something, removes themselves from something because they realize it's going to lead them into a not favorable situation. Okay, so so far we've got workout, which means make sure you reach that conclusion and do all you can to reach that conclusion that is final that has already been established by removing yourself because of your inadequate resources. Do you see that? It's actually pretty powerful when it comes to being congruent with gospel truth. And so let's look at the word trembling. So remember with fear and trembling. Now the word trembling is tromos, where we get the word tremors and that kind of thing. It means shaking caused by great fear. And it's talking about fear for God. Okay, so now I'm going to put all of that together 
and I'm going to give you my own little paraphrase and I'm going to qualify specifically the end parts of my paraphrase next. So watch this real carefully. I have it on the screen so you can see it with me. Based on the meanings that we've just looked at. In essence, this is what he's saying. <clears throat> Bring your salvation to a decisive conclusion by withdrawing your inadequate self from it with great respect and honor for God. Look at that real carefully. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. That's in essence what he's saying. So what he's really saying is come to the conclusion that as you see <laughs> Jesus in the finished work of the cross, you have no choice but to conclude that your salvation is secure in and through Jesus. And then withdraw yourself from it because you cannot save yourself, you cannot earn or deserve it, and do it with, great, with the greatest respect and honor you have for God because He's the one that did it for you. That's what He's saying. Now, <clears throat> it's pretty powerful, wouldn't you agree? I mean, if you just read it in English or any other translation, you think, oh yeah, I've got to work it in order to get it. No, what he's actually saying is very congruent with grace and gospel truth. He's saying, make sure you realize that your salvation has been concluded. So therefore, you reach that conclusion, that same conclusion. And the way you're going to get it fully is by putting yourself out of the picture because you cannot save yourself. There's nothing you've done to save it. That's why it's by grace. And make sure that you do it with fear and honor. Now, you know, someone who lived under the law, someone who feels like they need to earn and deserve things from God, they'll have a hard time thinking that they can be saved by grace alone. Isn't that so? And that's why he's saying what he's saying. And in actual fact, to prove the very point I've just shown you, because someone may be thinking, hmm, I don't know, to me it feels like you're stretching it a little bit. Okay, well, to qualify it, the very next verse, in the very next verse, he actually, or the next phrase, he actually confirms everything I've just told you. Watch this, it's going to come up on the screen now with that verse. He said, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Remember, I've, already, I've just explained to you what that means from the original. Then he says, For, in other words, he's continuing the same thought, For, it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. There it is. Doesn't that seal it completely? Because basically what he's saying is, is that make sure you reach that conclusion, the same conclusion about your salvation, that it has nothing to do with you. You cannot save yourself. And do it with the greatest honor and respect for God because it is God who's actually working in you to fulfill it and do it in you, and that brings Him pleasure. Isn't that so? I mean, right there, that portion in that phrase, He just basically confirms what I've just shown you from the original. And so, yeah, you know, if you don't look at original, and if you don't study and look at it in context and let the Bible interpret the Bible and, you know, look at it through the finished work of the cross, you could come up with a works based doctrine. And so that's not what Paul was encouraging here. He was not contradicting himself. So we can actually conclude decisively that we are saved, not because of our merit 
or religious performance, but because of God's doing in us. Isn't that so? And we should honor and respect that deeply. That's another way you can put what Paul was saying there. Basically, just reach that conclusive decision that you are saved because of Jesus and the finished work of the cross. Not because of what you do, what you don't do. You saved by grace is basically what he's saying. Because God did it for you. And because he did it for you, you should honor and respect that deeply, which is what fear and tremble actually means. It's a phrase to convey that. It's pretty powerful, wouldn't you agree? So in essence, please listen to this carefully. In essence, Paul the Apostle is not saying work for salvation, right? Neither is he saying work at salvation, correct? Neither is he saying work toward salvation. And all those words were available to him, even in his own language. So he could have said that, but he didn't. He didn't say work for salvation, work at salvation, work toward salvation. No. He said work out your salvation. Reach that decisive conclusion. In other words, let it work out of you because it's already in you. That's what he's saying. Let it flow out of you. Are you with me? Because God is working in you to do His will and to do good because it brings Him pleasure, right? I mean, you can liken that to a battery. And I mean, all our devices have batteries. Our phones, smartphones have our, you know, our cars have batteries. But a battery basically just holds energy and power within it, right? And it releases it when we plug it into something and connect it to something. And this is what this is saying in a way. I mean, it's not the best of illustrations, but he's basically saying it's in you. Let it flow out of you. Let that energy, that power flow out of you because you've already got it. It's already in you. That's what he means when he says that. And in actual fact, the message translation helps us see that. And I know that it's a paraphrase and I've heard people make fun of it. But, you know... (laughs) Uh, quite honestly, paraphrases sometimes do stretch things a little bit, but they don't always change doctrine. They just amplify it to help us understand. And so watch how the message puts it, which will help us understand it and see what I'm showing you here. So verse 12 and 13 of Philippians 2. He says, What I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning. In other words, you were saved by grace, keep living by grace, is what he's saying. When I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience, meaning believing. Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. In other words, keep believing. Better yet, watch this, redouble your efforts. Watch this, be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy and an energy deep within you. God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. Isn't he saying the same thing at the end of the day? It's God's work. It's not your work. He's in you doing it. Let him do it through you. Just keep on believing like you believed in the beginning. That's what he's saying. 
And so you can see it's a working out. It's letting that energy flow out of you. That's what it means by work out. <laughs> That's another way you could put that. Now, just for interest sake, I want to show you other places written in the book in Corinthians 1 and 2. So he's written, writing to the same church. But I want to show you two other places where the phrase fear and trembling is used. And what I want to do is I want to show you that it does mean you know, with the greatest honor and respect. Not being scared and frightened that you're not fulfilling this and you're not fulfilling that and you've broken this commandment and that commandment. It's not in conveying that at all. It's talking about the greatest respect and honor. And I mean, you think about it. Even when we talk about communion, <laughs> when we are encouraged to partake of it, with greatest honor and respect, and we should, because of what it represents, right? In the same way, your salvation, a heavy price was paid. There was no higher price that could be paid. Should we not honor and reverence it the same way? Of course, and that's what Paul is conveying here. He's saying, let it flow out of you because you've got it. But do it with honor and respect. Don't try and put yourself in the mix and think that you are doing something to save yourself or keeping yourself safe because you cannot. So we actually are irreverent and disrespectful to God and dishonoring to God when we think we can keep ourselves saved or even save ourselves. That's what he's saying. So let me show you these, these two portions where he uses the same phrase. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to, we're going to read it from the New King James, and then I'm going to show it to you just that portion from the Amplified, and then the other one from the Passion, just to show you that he actually means that phrase was used to refer to deep respect and honor for someone. So watch this, 2 Corinthians 7.15, talking about Titus here, okay? So Paul is talking about Titus here to the Corinthians. And he says, and his affections are greater for you as he remembers the obedience of you all. Watch this. How with fear and trembling you received him. Interesting. This is how the Amplified puts it. It's at the bottom there. And how you received him with the greatest respect. See that? They didn't fear and tremble Titus like they fear and tremble God. They just showed great respect because of what Titus had to share with them, which was the Word of God. So they understood how to have a reverence and a deep honor for God and God's Word. And when Titus shared it with them, they reverenced it. They received it with a good heart. So you can see that that's what that means. And then another place where he uses it is in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 3. Watch this. This is now Paul here speaking. And he says about himself, I was with you in weakness, watch this, in fear and in much trembling. Now the passion actually puts it in a great way that helps us understand what he means in, in actual context too. Watch this, how it puts it. I stood before you feeling inadequate, filled with reverence for God and trembling under the sense of the importance of my words. In other words, once more he's conveying that he has he had such a deep honor and respect for God and the Word of God and the things of God and Jesus and the finished work of the cross that he was so careful with his words that he didn't want to misrepresent 
God or the finished work of the cross. That's what he's saying. So once more you see that the term fear and tremble implies having a deep respect and honor for God. Right? That's why earlier on in the little quote that I gave you, I said, it refers to bring your own salvation to a decisive conclusion by withdrawing your inadequate self from it with great respect and honor for God. Now you see that that's exactly right. It's exactly, it exactly makes sense. Letting the Bible interpret the Bible, that's what he meant, right? And so in context, it refers to having a deep respect and honor for God, working in us, not only by saving us, but also by keeping us saved. Amen? Because that's what he was talking about. And I mean, it's the very same thing that we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. From the Passion. I love the way the Passion puts it, because we're familiar with this from the King James, you know. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in Him. Watch this. Nothing we did could er ever earn the salvation. For it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast. For salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. So you can see, and Paul himself also wrote this, and so you can see that this is congruent. And what we saw in Philippians 2, 12, we see that it lines up with us. Because there is nothing we can do to save ourselves. There is nothing we've done to save ourselves. Otherwise, we wouldn't need Jesus, right? Or the finished work of the cross. But it's because we could not that we needed Jesus and the finished work of the cross. And God provided that for us by grace. Amen. And so we simply receive it by grace, understanding that it's not a reward for anything we've done, understanding that we can never do anything to earn or deserve it, because that would not be salvation. And so going back to what Paul said in Philippians 2.12, you know, where he said, work out your own salvation with the trembling, and I've shown you the original, that's what he was saying. He was saying, God has done the work, He's in you continuing to do the work, and so just let Him do it through you, but do it with deep reverence, making the, sure that you don't ever put yourself in the mix, thinking that you've done something, that you can do something to keep yourself saved. I mean, that's in essence what He means when He says that. It is so wonderful and powerful, amen? I mean, isn't that freeing truth? It sure is for me. So the only way for God to get all the glory is if He does all the work in us. Isn't that so? Otherwise, we've got to get some of the glory. And as you know, <laughs> all the glory is God's. And so, yes, He does all the work. Yes, He's done all the work. And He's going to continue to fulfill His work in us, as far as salvation goes too, specifically here, because then He gets all the glory. Amen? It's a wonderful, wonderful gospel truth. Amen? So to tell someone to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling is the same as telling them not to trust in themselves to remain saved, but to trust God with it all. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. That's in essence what he's conveying and what he's saying there as well. Praise God for the wonderful gospel truth. Amen.
And that is the freeing truth about working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You see, what we need to remind ourselves of and understand is, is that New Covenant believers are called to live in their accomplished salvation, not to accomplish their salvation. Let me say that again. New Covenant believers are called to live in their accomplished salvation, not to accomplish their salvation, which is how so often erroneously Philippians 2.12 is brought across. It's not about us accomplishing anything, but it's about living in what has been accomplished. That's why it is the finished work of the cross. That's why Jesus said, it is finished. Amen. Praise God, praise God. I trust that that truth has blessed you today. Amen. And so we have something to share with the world. We know that it not, not only revitalizes our soul, just praise God that we didn't have to do anything to get ourselves saved. Praise God that we don't have to continue to try and keep ourselves saved. He does the work in us. Amen. And with deep honor and respect, we will live in that reality, live in that truth, and let God continue to do His work in us. Amen. Amen. Praise God for the wonderful gospel truth. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.